millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Welcome to another episode of My Millennial Property. This is actually part two of selling your property. If you haven't listened to part one yet, press pause right now, go back and listen to part one first and then come back to this episode. Um, You are joined by myself, Emily Wallace. We've also got John. Hello, Emily. Good morning. And we have a special guest today. We have a real estate agent. We have got Marcus Davidson from McLaughlin Partners. Welcome, Marcus. Hey, g'day, Emily. G'day, John. How are you guys? Very well, thanks, Marcus. Thanks for joining us. Now, I like you. <laughs> yeah. Lucky. Good start. Good start. <laughs> I like you. Not because you're a real estate agent. Well, that's maybe one of the things, but you're an investor. You've been an investor for a number of years, and I think that makes a good agent. Wouldn't you agree, Emily? I Certainly agree. I am baffled by how many people don't actually own property that that sell property. They don't actually trade property. So being an investor is definitely very good in my eyes. Yes, and I think it leads into why or or how we would choose a real estate agent when we sell a property. Because if they've done some investing, they've got their hands dirty themselves, they've thought about it from a buyer's point of view, they're maybe looking at how we can make some money from this thing. Um, Now, obviously, we're selling properties mostly to owner-occupiers, but I just think that it gives an agent an extra edge when you've uh, walked the walk yourself. What do you reckon, Marcus? Oh, 100%. I think um, having that experience of going through those highs and lows of investing um, is good experience to pass on to, you know, potential sellers, uh, to vendors and as well as to potential buyers. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, obviously it's you don't need to have it, but I think it's definitely a good thing to have and good thing to be able to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Now, Emily, before we start, your mate Sean Wellman. Sean Wellman and he is both of our mates now. I mean, I've become really good friends with Sean over Zoom. Um, Can't wait to catch up for a coffee because at the time of recording in Melbourne, we're not allowed to do that with other people at the moment. No. But Sean Wellman from Wellman Finance, he certainly is the go-to broker and even though he is based in Melbourne, for people listening, maybe you're listening from Perth, Brisbane, Adelaide, maybe even Tasmania, you can still use Sean as your broker. You don't need to be in the same state um, brokers are nationwide and Wellman Finance can certainly sort you out. Please check our show notes for the link to send you directly to Sean uh, so you can book in a time to chat with him and, and work out what you need from him in relation to your finance needs. Absolutely. Now, if you were choosing an agent, Marcus, yep, to sell your property, because you can't sell your own, well, you maybe can sell your own property, but let's say you weren't, yep. what would you look for? I'd look for experience is obviously a good one and it's maybe not 
just for real estate experience. But as you just mentioned before, me being an investor as well, I would look for someone that's maybe, you know, walk the walk, not only can talk the talk. So um, possibly that they've done some investing themselves, um, that they've had some experience in the industry and uh, sold a fair few homes in the area that I'm at. And actually, you know what, I'd probably take it even a little bit personality, like I want to get on with this person, you know, I don't want to go through this process and be butting heads throughout it. If I don't get along with this person, then, you know, I want I want the transaction to be be good. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, personality-wise, you don't have to go out on a Saturday night and have a beer with them, but you definitely no. need to be relatable to the point where they get you, you get their process, you can talk freely with them, you can be transparent. And, yeah, I, I agree with that one. You definitely get a better outcome. What do you think, Emily? I 100% agree with that. And I think... Certainly, in I know on the buying side, and I can only imagine on the selling side, you're having some pretty big life-changing decision-making conversations, you know, and they're not – in terms of someone wanting to sell their house, particularly when they're emotional about it, perhaps they're, they're having to sell out of a, a need to sell rather than a want, as we discussed in, in part one of this podcast. Maybe it's a circumstance that they don't really want to find themselves in. Having um, an aligned, you know – personality, values and understanding of each other is so important because it actually makes those conversations a lot easier to have and a lot more transparent when you understand each other. So I think, yes, personality, you must click. You absolutely must click with each other. And I guess on the friend part as well, you want someone that's going to go into bat for you as well. You know, mm. you want to obviously get that top price for your house. You know, you want to be able to have that relationship that you can have those conversations with but are also going to back you up and go into do everything they can to get that right price for your home. So we talked fondly last session or last um, Mm -hmm. podcast of those agents that maybe highball an appraisal and and say, yeah, we we reckon you can get 800 for it, knowing probably true well that it's it's worth about 750 at best. Not saying every agent does that, um, but tell us about how you go about I suppose winning business and and what 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 are the key things you focus on? So uh, education would be probably my main thing. Um, so that's actually on both sides of the vendor and the buyer, and you're in the education game, John. So yeah. you would understand this. So we're Love going it. into an appraisal. I should know the area like the back of my hand. I should have done all my comparable sales. I should have known what sold yesterday what's coming on the market and I should be able to have that conversation with that vendor about pricing straight from the start so if you go in too high and you get that job and then you don't sell it for that number then they're very awkward and hard conversations to go and at the end of the day it's your reputation you know so you know, you might end up getting an, a figure that's okay for them at the end, but they would remember the start where you started at a certain figure and then you couldn't get it, you promised, and then you're backpedaling and trying to, you know, make up for it at the end of it if you don't get that right price for them. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. Yeah, it's it's certainly something that I hear of can happen commonly, particularly if, as you mentioned, education being so important, but if the vendor hasn't educated themselves prior to bringing in an agent to appraise the property, obviously the appraisal does lead into a listing presentation, how you would go through marketing the property and what that might look like as them engaging you as the agent. But as we touched on last time, I think it's really important that the vendor has some sort of idea of where their property might sit 
uh, and even potentially attend some open homes of similar stock just so that they have got a good handle on the market and they're not expecting the world from you, but they also know when, you, when you're being honest and serious and when you're actually going in too high just to get the business. Yeah, it's 100%. And, and every property is unique and, you know, and we always get that flack that, you know, what, just tell me how much my property's worth. Just tell me. But it's unique to every different buyer's unique and, every, and it's a cliche, but a property's worth what it is to someone, you know, like so mm. people are going to pay different prices. So it is hard to say, yes, your house is worth exactly $1 million. Like you, you can't say it because what happens if it is 1.1 or it could mm. be under, you know. So, yeah, it is, it is a hard one. So you've got to have those comparables and that's why it's always a range when you look online. Um, it's usually always that 10% range. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So let's go through the motions now because I think the process of selling, just like buying, is not something that people do every day of the week. So let's say, you know, hypothetically, said vendor has has picked their agent and they've picked them based on the fact that they like them, they trust them, and they believe the price they're looking to achieve is on the money. Usually the conversation then goes around how is the agent paid and what does that look like in terms of, of commissions? Are you able to give us a high-level overview, keeping in mind there's, you know, listeners from all different states of Australia? Um, what's sort of the standard uh, commission in the industry? So I'm obviously on the Central Coast and um, mainly worked Long Jetty, you know, Better Bay, Blue Bay, Shelley Beach, Twin Bay, all those sort of areas going out to Berkeley Vale. They do vary uh, a fair bit and it would definitely vary, obviously, from the prices, uh, from the commissions in Sydney as well. Uh, for a standard for McLaughlin's, uh, we're definitely around that sort of 3% to possibly 2.5%. And then there's different structures you can have to that. We might negotiate with uh, different vendors on different things depending on the price of their property. Yeah, there's a few other factors that go into it. But again, like every property, every vendor is unique and every situation is different. So you've got to um, sort of adapt to, you know, that property and then have that conversation with the vendors where they feel comfortable that you can do the right job for them to sell their property at the right price. Yeah, that's good. So generally 25 to 3% is uh, is the general area in, in God's country where you operate from. Um, Emily, would you say Melbourne is somewhat similar to that or with the price being higher on average, the median price, so you might be selling something for 2 mil, 3 mil, 4 mil, uh, mm. does the percentage drop a little? Yeah, definitely. I would say standard in Melbourne's around 2%, 2 to 2 Point two, um, in the sort of general housing market, you know, anywhere from a mil to two mil for family homes. But then as you're getting up the higher end, it scales down because obviously the more the property sells for, the more the commission you make. So it is a sliding scale. Uh, but yes, I would, the three percenters are probably more on those uh, smaller apartments that are at 500,000, which yep. you could probably buy a nice house where you guys are for maybe that much. I don't know, but Come on, you Emily, can't buy much in a better location than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I, I had a, where I grew up actually, or not far from where I grew up, the agent's commission's 10%. Now that sounds very high, but property is 200,000 and less. So it's all relative to where you're living, isn't it? So there's no blanket approach across the country. It's uh it's generally knowing in the area what what you should be um, paying, and I think it's all in the service. Like if uh, 
as you said before, we've got that level of expertise with um, with education around the area. We've got an appraisal that we think is realistic and we can relate to the person, right? It's it's worth 2.5%, every day of the week. Um, but looking at four or five agents and, and getting a cross-section of what their fees are is probably a good thing. But I, I stress to the listeners that that the fee isn't everything. I don't think the fee is a deciding factor. Just like when you're getting a home loan, the interest rate's one factor and it is a, a large factor, but it's not the, the uh, be-all and end-all because you, you need to see, well, can we structure it well? Can we release equity when we need to? Ease of access, etc. Yeah, I think you're 100% there. And even with uh, McLaughlin Partners too, we work as a team. So you don't just get the one agent. So you're actually getting all five of us in one hit. So uh, I believe a lot of agencies more work uh, by themselves, but our agency actually works as one big team. So I might go to an appraiser, but I might take Brent with me and, yes. and we'll go in together. And then even that, you're getting two people straight away then, but then we go back to the office and then we tell everyone else about it. We usually get the team to go through it, give their feedback as well. And then they might have buyers as well that they have on their list. And so, yeah, we all work together. So I think that even should be taken into consideration as well. Yeah, I, I love that approach. And, and I have used you guys to buy and sell property uh, locally. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> no problems. I'll um I'll receive that uh, <laughs> yep. influence later. It's in the mail. Um yeah, but that team approach means the culture generally is pretty good as well. Like I I was actually looking for a property this morning for a client, and I knew when I emailed the uh, agent that it was going to filter through to the whole agency because it um, because of that approach, versus maybe some of the bigger guys. Um, no no names mentioned, but it's dog eat dog. I I've got the listing and I want the the full piece of the pie. So it's it's very much a me versus you approach. Um, so it's very hard to build that culture, isn't it? Certainly agree with that. And we're seeing more collaborative approach. Personally in Victoria, I'm seeing more of that um, certainly sharing. Um, just for some insider knowledge, I guess obviously if, if it's your listing and, and you're getting the commission of of selling that property, uh, are the other people, generally speaking, in a real estate office incentivized to introduce buyers to that property, what's the benefit of a vendor going with someone who does have that collaborative approach in terms of, you know, uh, them introducing more buyers than just what you have on your personal database? Yeah, so there is a split between the lister and the seller. So, for instance, if I'm um, going really well with listings and I've got a lots of listings, um, I might have someone else in the team that hasn't got many listings. They can concentrate on selling the properties I have harder if you know what I mean they can go harder with that and vice versa it's it's happened to me before as well that I haven't got many listings at the moment oh what have you got Brent or Suzanne or Jaden or Bruce or you know what do you guys got going oh I've got buyers I've got a list of buyers here on my phone that I'd love to bring them through so um, yeah it's very collaborative like that down there and I think it's a it's a good approach but I'm biased obviously. (laughs) (laughs) No I I think it is so we've got we've selected our agent We've, we've locked in the commission and we're happy with the structure and now we're talking about actually going to market. So what other uh, investments, I would like to say rather than costs, investments does the vendor need to make in order for the property to now go online? So obviously marketing, we're talking here. So for us and again talking 
about McLaughlin's, uh, you can actually go to market with uh, no costs at all through us. Wow. So zero cost. You can put your, obviously you have to get a contract of sale and that's going to cost a certain amount of money um, and you have to sign an agency agreement. But obviously cost-wise, nothing. So, but then yes, you do what my approach is and not everyone in my team might do the same, but my approach is I like to think I've got a good bunch of buyers in my phone right now that if I've got a really good chance of being able to sell your property before we even market it. So I guess you call that an off-market purchase. However, um, and I've seen it go both ways. However, you can not have any marketing and you you get that small um, pond and then and you're not getting many hits or you get a few offers that are around the, maybe the price they want. But then you put it onto marketing and obviously we're talking through the website world, signage, everything um, that uh, the goes crazy. People just want to come and see it and then there's all that competition and then the price moves on up. So um, it can work both ways but for us, um, you can sell off market and I like to do it because it's a little bit of feedback for the vendor as well before it does get out onto online portals. Yeah, I, I like to... I like to just test the market through our database and if we can't get it done, 100% we go through with marketing through realestate.com, domain, um, all, the other, all the other spots as well. Yeah, I think that's uh, maybe a point of difference. So I don't know if everyone's doing it, but, but having the ability to say, look, no money down, we'll get your marketing underway and you can pay us at the end really gives us that peace of mind or well, me personally that okay I don't want to stump up the cash now I know I have to but I'll uh, I can maybe use the funds from settlement or or save up for it through that time if I'm strapped for cash um, I've got the ability to do that so that's that's a pretty cool incentive the other question I have for you is we did an episode on property styling now you sold a house for me not that long ago yep as you can see, I didn't get a property stylist in and <laughs> just sold the property. Sold it, yep. Now, how much say do you have just having that investor eye just uh, when you walk through a home to do an appraisal or chat to the vendor when you've got their business about how the home looks? Do you have any input in that generally or not? Yeah, so we just pretty much call it, you know, selling mode instead of living mode. So it's, yeah. it's more of a declutter. So a lot of people have got different tastes and you've obviously got to be careful um, of, of how you approach them. Uh, yeah, you obviously wouldn't want to offend anyone, but yeah, sometimes you have to get them into selling mode and, and get them to start thinking like a buyer. So some houses definitely do need staging and I think it 100% helps. I, I would actually recommend um, staging if there's no one living in the house. If obviously it's living in the house, yeah, just and if they don't want to move out, then it's just about having that conversation of decluttering. Um, maybe you can get a stylist in to just you know do a few bits and pieces, but you definitely have to make it look uh, neutral. Yeah. So, so, so anyone could walk in and go, yes, I could make this my home. Just sharpen it up a bit. Yeah. It's funny because that that word neutral was used uh, quite heavily in the episode recorded, which you didn't um, haven't heard before now. But it's um, the stylist herself said that, so I think it's a really important keyword, neutral and just, neutral, so people can visualize their yeah. own things in the property. Sitting on the fence, and just uh, on that too, being neutral. I had a good chat with. Bruce McLaughlin, our principal down there, about being neutral when you're selling a property. So I think um, when I used to go in properties, I always used to think I was a buyer, but I'm I'm not the buyer. I'm not the buyer for that property. So I've got to be neutral. So I've got biases towards certain houses because I like a certain thing, but I'm not the buyer. So I think neutral is definitely a good term. So we've had 
the, you know, the marketing sorted, we've potentially got the property styled and we've had photos and it's up online. Now what's the process to actually, how do we sell our house? How do we actually do that part of, of selling the property? Yep. So we probably start with, um, well, we probably start through our database first. So we uh, we contact everyone in our database that's active, that's looking at the moment. And then we start with the open homes, uh, obviously usually on Saturdays um, for half an hour at a time. And I think open homes are really important and I, th- I, I implore all vendors to have them. But um, yeah, so we start the process off by going through our database, getting people through the door, open homes, um, yeah, reaching out to everyone when we can and just giving the owners feedback the whole way. That's the main thing is keeping communication with them make sure they know where they're up to so you don't have to have those difficult conversations later on and i know from speaking and knowing you personally that you're hot on to any leads any follow-ups like it's like 10 10 minutes 15 minutes you're continually onto them it's like a 24 7 world for you which is which is great and and most people love that um the the follow-up is really critical isn't it um regardless of whether you're going to auction or and obviously Emily living in Melbourne massive auction city whereas on the coast here we're probably more likely to be private treaty just um, best off a buy or something like that how does that change the approach I suppose so yeah auction it depends on what the market is doing actually it's right now there's not much stock so auctions definitely a, a good a good place to start. Um, we definitely around here do more private treaty, I guess, more than you, Emily, in Melbourne. A lot more auction. Obviously, Sydney, a lot more auctions. But for us around here, I think auctions a good way to even market a property because it puts um, buyers on the front foot to go, I need to get through this property. This is going to auction. If I want to do something, I need to get acting quick. Um, and it may obviously be able to sell before it goes to auction or then if there's not enough interest for the auction obviously you go back to private treaty Mm. so you always see the sign uh auction such and such date in brackets if not sold prior so you're hedging your bets there saying well if we get a good offer we'll take it but otherwise we're going to offer and do you feel that that just gives the potential purchasers some sort of maybe urgency or end point or what what's the strategy in that uh, I think with the auction, um, yeah, it just it just puts a rocket to get get their stuff, they get their finances together, um, get the inspections done, building a pest. It gets it all flowing. So I think yeah, it's just a bit of more urgency, as you said, mm. for the for the purchaser. And I mean, even for the vendor, it gives them good feedback. It gives them feedback throughout the whole process as well, and that's also. Uh, Good as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I talk about in uh, in my online academy about the different processes to go and uh, buy a property, private, tr- private treaty, auction, etc. And, and I'd have to say personally, auction would be my least favourable way to go and buy a property because of that emotion all there in the in a five minute period. Uh, Emily, would you attest to that? I would agree on some parts, yes, on the emotion. I also think it is the most transparent way of selling property though. Yep. I think it's probably the best way for someone to to sell, I think is the key word. To sell at auction, you got all these emotional fueled buyers you know, in an environment that they're bidding to the highest bid. Um, as a buyer, um, that's where you sometimes end up overpaying and it, it's not so great for the buyer. It's very good for the seller. Yes. But yeah. As you said, it's transparent and it's yeah. probably is the fairest because everyone knows what that bid is. So yeah. I, I actually do like auction though. But yes, the yeah. emotion does come into it. Mm. Now, 
Emily is a buyer's agent. We're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Uh, Emily communicates with other buyer's agents around Melbourne and I can see it on LinkedIn. They're all besties. Um, <laughs> how do we go in the real estate agent world? Uh, are we liaising with other agents to see what they're up to or is it like, nah, I've got my patch, you've got yours, stay away? Uh, I love buyer's agents, Emily. So they're very they're very <laughs> handy for us. Yeah, I've actually dealt with a couple on the coast here as well and um, they're, they're really easy to deal with and they're obviously, you know, finding the buyer for us. But yeah, I think um, dealing with other, was, other agents, uh, other, so other agents. agents. Yeah, I, I actually do talk to a lot of agents. I um, I feel like it's, I don't know why there's any secrecy or whatever and I try and be as transparent as I can to any other agent and I'd rather have an open line of communication with any agent. If any agent contact me, contacts me, no problem. I'm happy to, happy to chat. Yeah, cool. Yeah, which is a good way to be in any industry, I think. Yeah, and it, it's yeah. nice to hear because I don't know. I don't know if everyone has that mindset, but it's nice to hear. <laughs> I'm when still a bit of a newbie, so, so I'm still nice and friendly it, to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely helps. Certainly yeah. helps. Hmm. So I think we'll finish it up there. Like that's mm-hmm. been a, a fantastic conversation. So for for the listeners, we're saying, look, do your research, ask a lot of questions, get to some open homes, uh, talk to four or five, six, seven different agents to get a feel for who you might choose. Don't just choose them based on on their fee structure. Um, base it on a whole range of things with personalities and everything else. Um, and then when we get to the market, just be in constant communication with that agent. I think where things fall down a lot of cases where a potential seller might become disgruntled is because they actually drop the ball and, and presume that the agent's doing X, Y, Z and, and they won't return phone calls and and we've just got to look ourselves in the mirror and, and take action ourselves um, alongside the real estate agent. Most certainly. It's been a, a very insightful conversation and certainly for people who are considering selling their home, no matter where you may be, obviously there's some key takeaways from the part one and part two of the Selling Your Home episodes. Absolutely. Marcus, thank you very much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. And Emily, it's been a pleasure as always. As always, been a pleasure uh, and no doubt we'll be back again next week with we another will. topic. For those of you in the Facebook group, we may put a post up asking uh, what topics you'd like us to cover. We do have plenty to cover, yes. but I think it's always good to you know listen to the people, see what the people want and <laughs> what give do them the what people they want. want. Yes, that's right. Give them what the people want. 100%. So we'll put a post up and and ask you what you'd like to hear from us and keep posted and we'll answer your questions. Okay. Loved it. Thanks for your support and we'll chat soon. See ya. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. Special thanks to Wellman Finance, our podcast partner. Sean Wellman and his team are available to coach you through your property journey, even if it's your first time. With expertise in investment and home loans, they're in your corner providing education and support as you take each step. For more info, check out wellmanfinance.com.au forward slash M3. If you want to really turn up your property, education, and information journey, make sure you check out the Solvair Property and Finance Academy. This is an amazing online resource that John has put together. It's to empower and to give results to people who are either first-time buyers, whether for their home to live in or an investment property, or if you're a seasoned property investor. 
this online academy is for you. Check out the link in the show notes. It will change your life if you let it. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.